0: Thank mm-hmm. you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sport of Kings podcast. On this pod, we cover the late pick five at Gulfstream on Saturday, March 27th. This is show number 113, March 26th, 2021. I'm Scott Carson, founder of Sport of Kings, and I'm joined by my co-host, Hall of Fame handicapper, Chris Larmy. Chris, do you have Florida Derby fever?
1: I am looking forward to the Florida Derby and the entire card, which is pretty awesome, actually, and a mandatory payout on the pick six. So I think we're going to talk about all six races in that sequence. And, you know, this is a lead into the next few weeks where all the final derby preps come in and we get to start thinking about uh, that first Saturday in May, which is actually the first day in May this year on May 1st. So not far away at all.
0: Yeah, I got to get those Kentucky Derby invitations out because I always have a party and uh, I think I'm going to be able to have one this year. Uh, The question is whether it'll be indoors or out. We'll see what the numbers are.
1: Yeah, I know you always have a pretty good uh, little event. Even last year, I think you did something social distanced with masks. So
0: well, well, actually, we, we didn't use mass, but um, we did. I had a Belmont party that was all well, outdoors. That's right.
1: that's right. It was Belmont. It was. And it Belmont, was a beautiful day, German. and
0: it was great. So, play in the sport of kings. NHC qualifiers starting every month. Each month, the top fifty players who are NHC tour members advance to round two, which is Breeders' Cup weekend. In that final, 450 players will duke it out playing all 14 Breeders' Cup races. Two people will win a seat to the NHC, and the top 100 will get tour points. Join the NHC Tour before any monthly round one begins. If you join the tour, you could win up to 20 seats to the NHC in free contests. For only 50 bucks, it's the best deal in racing. If you sign up for the tour, use promo code Kings so we get credit. If you haven't signed up for our free contest with free DRFPPs, Go to sportofkings.net right now. Thank you and good luck. And we have a special returning guest. He's a racing analyst for NBC and In The Money Media. He has his own podcast called The Matt Bernier Show. And he is, of course, Matt Bernier. Matt, welcome back.
2: Scott, Chris, thanks for having me back again. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you guys and no better time than now with a a big day of racing down at Gulfstream on Saturday afternoon.
0: Well, Matt, I, I've actually been looking forward to having you back because uh, the last time you were on, you nailed it with horologists who went off at like five to one. And I remember because I was like, I'm against horologists and you totally smacked me.
2: And unfortunately, and I know she did come back and win, uh, I believe it was the was the Bell Dame leading into the Breeders' Cup, and, and she looked good there. You know, she, in all actuality and reality, she's probably just kind of a Monmouth horse for course. I think she is talented, but um, maybe she's not quite as good as I want her to be. But, uh, you know, it, it's always nice, and you guys know it, when everything lines up, it, it's nice when, you know, take advantage of it when it happens, because there are many times when it doesn't happen. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, when when you want to play horologist, when the time is right. Well, I don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> a horologist, I don't like a, a horologist
0: is like a clockmaker, right? Or a, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Slip th- it right th- in, thank shot. you for thank you for saying that, Chris, because I meant to look up horologist because I'd forgotten what it meant, and uh, you gave me the clue, so I didn't need to look it up. And Matt, before we get started, uh, just one 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 question for you. Which I don't know if we asked you this last time, but I'll ask you again this time. What do you use for your handicapping uh, these days? What are you, what's your tool? What is your tool of choice? Uh,
2: so I'm kind of, I would say probably sixty forty from a figure standpoint. I'll use Timeform US's figures compared to the buyers. Um, I kind of use the two in conjunction. DRF's Formulator product, along with Timeform US. Um, In the past, I've used uh, a program like HTR, which uh, I really do think there's tremendous value, and and it's a tool that once you know all the nuts and bolts, I think it really is something spectacular. So those are the three. Again, I haven't used HTR in a little while, but for the most part on a day-to-day basis, it's a blend of Timeform US and and, uh, DRF's formulator product. And from a figure standpoint, it's probably, like I said, 60-40, kind of 65-35, leaning on the uh, time form us figs
0: okay did you have any questions for Matt Chris
1: well just a follow-on so what why do you lean a little more on the time for form us figs versus the buyer
2: well and the interesting thing there Chris for me anyway personally I know you know folks who are familiar with time form us you have the, the pace adjusted figure Sort of on the far right side, but then you have just sort of the what I call the raw figure, uh, and I know it's not truly a raw figure when we're talking about speed figures because that's it's a different animal. But the idea is it's the figure that is not adjusted for the pace situation. I just I, you know for whatever reason, as more and more time has gone by, I tend to think that those numbers more often than not end up being truly indicative of the performance, and maybe. I recognize speed figure making. There, there is an element of subjectivity, especially when something seems dramatically off, or, or you know, it, certain races on a certain card don't seem to line up perfectly. I think back to a few weeks ago with the Kilro Mile, and there was a race, a, a few races prior at Santa Anita at a mile, where the, the horse—I can't remember the name of the horse—but went right. To Whis- the front.
1: whisper, not to- that. Yeah, I had a little okay, debate whisper. with Craig Milkowski about those figures. Yeah, whisper not was the horse, and, yeah, and the horse. I believe
2: it was something like if you just wanted to use the 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 length for every fifth of a second. I mean, the, the the horse ran effectively six or seven lengths faster than the group one or the grade one group did a few races later. And I recognize again from a subjectivity standpoint, you there are those moments where you have to look at it and say, well, how likely is it that this horse who had struggled to get through the, I don't know if it was an N1X or an N2X level race, ran so much faster than a relatively consistent group of grade one horses. So I, I get there is an element of that, but I feel like for the most part, the time form U.S. figs, they kind of just stick to whatever the number is with certain exceptions, like the one we just alluded to. So that's why I tend to lean a little bit more there. That's not to say that I don't believe or agree with the buyer's figures, but I think everybody, you know, you find your own little niche and what you like and what you believe in a little bit more so than others, and and you kind of work with that going forward.
1: Yeah, so it just sounds like you like that where they blend the pace and they can adjust figures up and down depending on extreme pace scenarios, and that gives you some insight you don't get from buyer.
2: Well, and and I I personally, I try not to look at the pace-adjusted number. I'm more interested in looking to see sort of, you know, Timeform US will color code the, the fractional pieces, red meaning it was a fast pace, blue meaning it was a slow pace. And if there's no color sort of key in there, it's just sort of a, a neutral pace, if you will. I kind of like to just look at that, but then try to factor it in my own opinion where, sure, the pace may have been on the fast side, but let's say it was a day where it didn't hurt to be forwardly placed. You know, while the, the pace adjusted number for Timeform US may reflect something that would suggest the race was a little bit better i'm going to look at it and say well the the speed nature of the track may have sort of mitigated that a little bit where sure you went a little bit quicker to the half but at the same time it's kind of where you wanted to be so do you really gain that much um i think again so much of handicapping is in the eye of the beholder and, and what you want to do with it and and the, the data that's available how do you interpret it and and that's uh, to me anyway that's what makes this game so fun where Every single day, each race is a different puzzle, and trying to put it together and figure out what it's going to look like when it's all done.
1: Yeah, definitely. I talk about it as as you you combine data with context, and that's how you get information. And you need both. So I totally agree.
0: I have a question for you guys. Um, I when I use time form, I'm using adjusted fractions, and I'm also looking at the pace projector just uh, just because I'm a little lazy, um, but. Where where do you find the raw number for the horse and then the adjusted number?
2: So for me, uh, the final number that is listed as far as your sort of incremental uh, figs are concerned, that's the, the final rating or the final, whatever you want to call it, the final fig. And then the figure in the box to the right of that would be the pace adjusted one. So, you know, it'll either be turned up if they're trying to close into a slow pace or you know, turned up if they were out there on a fast pace and were able to hang on that sort of thing. And um, I just try to I try to take the adjusted piece out of it, just because again, I want to I want to be the one to determine if I believe there was a massive advantage one way or the other, based on the way a race was run or the way a track was playing, as opposed to just sort of relying on the adjusted number
0: itself. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: T- to see that though, you have to use the figures, not the just not the fractions. adjusted pace,
0: which is why I yeah. couldn't find them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So right. if you if you put it onto the pace figures, that final yeah. small number is the the kind of what what Matt was calling the raw figure, but it's really their adjusted figure, but not with a pace adjustment, and then that final yeah. box yeah. figure has right, the pace. Right, right.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I I can see that now. Um, uh, Matt, it's interesting because I think the opposite. I, I actually want somebody else to do the work and adjust that figure for me. And and to me, that's a little bit of an angle. And um, I know Chris and I have talked a little bit about how sometimes the number looks better on a horse here than it might look on the sheets. And uh, we're if we're looking at a horse that we think might have run a little faster than the sheet figure reflected, um, that is possibly actionable
2: and i agree with that 100 percent. and it's not that i'm not a fan of of you know whether it's thoroughgraph or the rags or or whatever it may be but i i am always cognizant of i'm always concerned about the idea of ground loss because there are times when being outside isn't necessarily a bad thing and there's a i always have that that fear and, and granted it doesn't happen a ton, but I, I think it is something to factor in. You know, if if the rail is dead and you want to be three or four paths off the rail, you know, does that number artificially become inflated? And does that then look considerably better than it actually was? Whereas a speed figure, just a, a, a straightforward speed figure, whether you include the pace or not, it is what it is. It, it, it based on you know par levels and things like that. So. I, I'm certainly not saying don't use any of these other products because I, I, I love the thoroughgraph product. I've used it in the past, but it's just still one of those things that I'm always – I always keep in the back of my mind that sometimes being outside isn't a terrible thing despite the fact that you're you know, technically traveling a further distance than the horses down on the inside would be.
0: Yeah, many, many ways to read the data, and uh, uh, every way is valid. Uh, Hopefully, after processing all this uh, information, we cash. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So let's try to cash today. Let's do the late pick five. We're going to do the late pick five at Gulfstream, but it's also a force out for the $0.20 pick six carryover. And uh, assuming nothing happens today, Friday. So we will actually cover the ninth race, the first leg, but we didn't spend as much time on that one. So we're just going to we're going to do that as sort of an extra at the end of the the end of the pick five sequence. And we will start with the 10th race. It's the Pan Am Stakes. It's a mile and a half on turf purse of two hundred thousand for four year olds and up. And Matt, let's have you get us started.
2: know i i respect the you know the the air quotes class horses in here i I respect sadler's joy i respect cross border um my concern would be for sadler's joy his running style is always a bit of a concern for me uh but also as as an eight-year-old i'm starting to wonder if maybe he's lost a little bit on the fastball and granted this is probably one of the softer groups he's faced in a while but at a shorter price, I'm a little leery of him and, and cross border. I do like the horse, but you know, I, I suppose there is a case to be made that while he has run really well in graded stakes races, including grade ones, you know, the case to be made that he's he belongs with the New York bred types if he was really going to flourish because it's really that, that those are the times that he visits the winner's circle. So I just wanted to try to get a little bit cute in this race. Um, I looked at the two outside horses and they're the ones that I'm going to use predominantly sort of as a's in the uh in the pick five sequence the number seven moon over miami and the number eight Turn and burn Turn and burn might look a little bit slow on paper but i, I kind of like everything about the most recent run yes it was a dream trip but it was the first time the horse had been allowed to stretch out to a distance like this at a mile and a half and um julian leperu I, I maintain yes maybe the the statistics are a little bit on the light side as far as win rate is concerned but when it comes to pace in these long distance races i, I trust him especially with a forwardly placed type um, and an interesting note about that n1x race from february 11th uh, five horses have come out of that race four of them improved their buyer speed figures next out uh ranging between three and nine points so i think there's a chance that that 88 might actually be a little bit on the light side um and if you want to tick it up a couple points maybe that gets him into the low to mid 90s and he's got a puncher's chance and as far as moon over miami goes it's a little bit of a merry-go-round. The top two finishers were one-two throughout in that spot. And you go back and watch the tape, I thought this horse was loaded, and he was forced to really, really alter course at the top of the lane. And um, he finished really, really well. First start since the beginning of October. I, I assume he moves forward here. I'm not sure you're going to get the five-to-one morning line. I think he might come down a bit. But seven and eight are my big plays here.
0: And which one would you call your top play?
2: Uh, seven Moon over Miami.
0: All right. Moon over Miami, who uh, has a couple wins on turf and has a, a big, fast number as a two-year-old on dirt to come back to. Chris, what did you think?
1: Well, this race was sort of easy for me because last week I was going to pick cross-border to beat Colonel Liam and factor this, and they decided they didn't want to ship to Louisiana to face those two, and they and they would stay here against a much weaker bunch, so... To me, he kind of stands out. I kind of hear what Matt's saying, but to me, you know, this horse, it, he, he ran a really good race last time. He didn't win, but he was parked really wide throughout, and Colonel Liam got the perfect trip. And I think if he had changed trips, cross-borders could have won. Um, I think he kind of towers over this bunch. I think he likes going a mile and a half. He'll be forwardly placed might even be on the lead. Um, we'll see. Maybe they just decide to stock, churn, and burn, but I think he gets a really good trip. Tyler Gaffley owns a good rider. Uh, Sadler's Joy I have a lot of respect for. He's beaten cross-border several times, but you know, I, I, we've talked a little bit about the life cycle of a thoroughbred, and um, eight years old is when they start to tail off, typically. Um, the turf router sometimes can last a little longer, but if you look at his form, you know, three of his last four races have probably been the, slat, the worst races of his life. So uh, he may still have another good race in here and certainly could win this race, but I think he's tailing off a bit. He's probably the, the threat to cross border, but I don't think the pace will be advantageous to him. And I'm just not convinced uh, that he hasn't lost a couple of steps and he's on his way out the door, but he could prove me wrong. We'll see.
0: Okay, well, um, happy to report that I'm using all three of yours, but I'm going to pick a, a different horse on top. I'm actually uh, sort of I'm in agreement with Matt on Churn and Burn. He's my top pick, and you know I I totally respect Cross Border, but he is carrying a little extra weight, and he also has not won. He still hasn't pulled it off. He has not won at a mile and a half, even though he's run second twice. Um, but I, I do think he's, a uh, necessary use anyway, turn burn, his last race was his best race ever. And it was going the distance and he's got like, he's got a real pace advantage. I mean, the, they're all, they're all like plotters, uh, cross border might get up there to take the lead. If that happens, that's okay. Because I think the, the, uh, the stalking the leader in the last race looked really good. So, um, and he's a fresh four-year-old. So I think there's a lot of upside there and, um, that's why I would use him. And then there's another horse I'm interested in at a price pace disadvantage, which is why I didn't put on top, but I would use Rijeka because, uh, he ran his best race ever two races ago. It's two for five at the distance. And, uh, I just think this might be a changing of the guard kind of race, Cross-border is seven. He's still got run in him, but um, maybe this is the race where we get some new blood.
1: Anything to add, Matt? No, I mean, I I think you guys
2: bring up an important point where, you know, it's a shame that on dirt we don't typically get to see these horses race on to, to this point in their life, whether it is six, seven, eight years old, but you do get to a certain point where yes, you may have all the back class and you may have all the fast races on your page, but at a certain point, you know, father time catches up to everyone. And And I do wonder if specifically with Sadler's joy, to your guy's point, I feel like cross border still has a little bit left in him, but, and, and not that Sadler's joy can't win this race. It's just, I think his best days are pretty well behind him at this point. And, Scott, to your point, if you get some of these sort of up-and-comers who maybe aren't exposed or are considerably younger but are now newly turned four-year-olds, I just feel like they're the kind of horses that they have potential to move forward where Sadler's joy, I, I, I mean, even if he runs back to one of his better races from last year, it's not like he has a tremendous edge on this field. So when you factor those pieces into the likely odds that these horses will be come post-time, uh, I, I tend to agree. I, I at least would rather gamble on a changing of the guard than sort of the status quo.
0: Chris, did you uh, usually have more than one horse? So,
1: Yeah, I'm pretty high on cross border. I think he towers over these unless Sadler jo- Sadler's Joy, you know, reaches back for one of his good races in the past. Um, uh I agree the other horses have upside. I just think they're so much slower at this point in their career um uh that they they have to to you know close quite a bit of ground to get there. I think later on in the year I wouldn't be surprised to see them um getting better because one thing about the turf route horses is they mature later on than like dirt um horses do. So you know, 4 year olds almost like a three-year-old on the dirt in these turf routes. So I agree. I mean, I disagree with anything you're saying. I think the upsides with the seven, the eight. Sadler's joy is definitely kind of on the in the twilight of his career. I think cross-border is still pretty much running at peak form and could for a while still. Um, and I just think he's so much better at this point that it's going to be hard for the younger horses to close that gap. But I could be wrong. I mean uh, – that's kind of how i i see the race and i think probably the the biggest threat to cross border if saddler's joy doesn't um reach back and run well is the other maker horse the two horse temple um and he's solid he got has a good post and a good rider so and i just think maybe we're not ready to change have the changing of the guard yet um maybe in (laughs) six months six months away maybe so i am
0: a I'm officially five deep in this race and it's okay. I'm getting skinny later, but, um, I also am using temple and moon over Miami. So, um, it looks like we're at least in somewhat, some agreement that we, um, you know, at least I agree with every pick that all of us made.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think, uh, in general, you know, philosophically, it's just, I think right now, uh, cross borders is just. I, I think there's a bigger gap between him and the the younger um, improving ones than the two of you do. That's all. I think that's the only real difference.
0: Yeah, and it should be noted the cross-border had a really nice bullet, uh, five furlong work, the best one that shows uh, in a long time uh, on his uh, resume. So We'll move on to the 11th race. It's the Cutler Bay Stakes, a mile on turf, purse of 100000 for three-year-olds. And Chris, what did you think?
1: This one's a really tough race, I think. Um, It looks really wide open. This is the spread race for me in this sequence. Uh, The horse I landed on probably as a potential win play, and not because I think it's a lot better than the rest, but maybe a a tad, and that's the four lucky law. Um, His only turf route, he won pretty impressively. He had trouble in his debut sprinting. He still ran well, um, didn't win. And they thought enough of him to do what you know, you see often with these young three-year-olds that run well on the turf. Um, let's try him on the dirt just to see. You know, we might have a Derby horse. Um, it didn't work. He he didn't he didn't run poorly, but uh, you know he's bred ter- for the turf, top and bottom. There's nothing in his pedigree that would say he he'd like the dirt. So I just would toss that race, even though it wasn't really that bad. Now they've got him back on the turf, routing where he belongs. Um, he gets a good rider switch from to Gaff Leone and um, he has a good post, has tactical speed. You know I, I think he has as good a chance as any. So if you got the six to one, that, that's probably not a bad price. I don't think he stands out by any means in here, but uh, to me he looked like the value.
0: Lucky Law in his first race, he was actually against a speed flow. Uh, at, at least according to the racingflow.com numbers. Matt, what did you think?
2: I agree with Chris in that this this to me, this might actually be the race I'm most interested in watching to see what happens, because I think there is quite a bit of talent in here. Uh, Lucky Law was my second choice for the reasons that Chris laid out. Um, but I just, from a tactical standpoint, and really this is the main difference, Um, I'm going to give the nod for my sort of top pick to the horse just drawn to the outside. That's the five King of dreams uh, for Juan Avila's barn. You know, they tried the Tampa Bay Derby in very similar fashion to sort of the, the profile of King Guillermo from last year where, you know, he won impressively on grass and then they, they took a shot on the dirt and he won the Tampa Bay Derby at a million to one. They tried to do it again here with this horse. It didn't work out, but I, I was really impressed with the, the first, an only turf start two back i understand he was able to get out there and maybe the fractions at at face value don't look all that fast but the way that he was able to extend at the top of the lane i I thought it was really encouraging the third place finisher in that race was the next out winner with a 76 buyer. uh the runner-up earned a 75 so basically uh, the way i the way i look at sort of races as far as form goes it's not even so much our horses winners or, or how do they Necessarily finishing that next start. It's more about what kind of figures are they earning. And for them to earn those mid to high 70 numbers, to me, it confirms that the 78 buyer that the uh, buyer associates awarded him for that race it was accurate here in a 100 time form US rating. Um, and I think based on the way the race looks from a pace standpoint, with the exception of what makes Sammy run, the number three horse who's putting blinkers on, I, I don't know that there's a ton of gas in here. And, and whether he ends up tracking the three or goes right to the front, um, I would take nine to two in a heartbeat on King of Dreams, to five.
0: Okay, Lucky Law and King of Dreams. I'm using both. I actually did land on Lucky Law for the reasons Chris stated. Uh, the only thing I'll add, because... Um, well, I, I, I will agree, Chris, that he won his first turf route easily. And, and one thing that I noticed is he seemed to have push-button speed. Uh, it looked like he could go any way that Johnny V wanted him to go. I'm not sure why he's not riding the horse, because uh, I don't think he has a mount in the race. So it's that's a little peculiar, but uh, it might have been because he was committed to some other horse that ended out not being entered. Um, but... I just I like the way he won it, and uh, he also has a fifty-seven-two work on turf since then, and I think he just might be ready to deliver today. So, uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Lucky Law. Uh, agree with Chris on Lucky Law. I do have like five other horses that I'm going to use, including King of Dreams. But I'll, I'll let you guys. Uh, we'll do a roundtable before I mention those.
1: Okay. Yeah. I I think. There's quite a few you need to include in here. I, the one other that I would definitely include, and sort of for the reasons that Matt stated on King of Dreams, I think the seven horse, it can be done, might be the horse that could go out and wire this field. I think they might get aggressive with that horse. Castellano likes to be aggressive. And that horse's only turf route on a firm track was a galloping wind and uh, it, it followed that one up with a uh, attempt against a, a good field in the at Belmont on a yielding course and kind of was against the flow and lost there and then it came back with a nice comeback race last time sprinting uh, where it came from off the pace and finished up strong and now it stretches back out and the last time uh, you know it stretched out on a firm course it it opened up a big lead and just ran them off their feet. I think that'll be the strategy in here. And, um, if uh king of dreams can't keep up or they don't try to go with him, I think the, that it can be done might pull off a shocker at a big price.
0: It could be done. You know, I,
1: it,
2: yeah, it, it can be done and, and, and full meaning, you know, the other stretch out sprints here, they both come out of that February 24th race. I thought they both ran really well that day. Um, and, and Chris, I, I, you know, I really liked it can be done last year as a two-year-old and I liked him in that now, now, now stretching out. And then unfortunately I backed him in the Awad and he just kind of backed up, but that kind of leads me to another horse that I'm, I'm really interested in this, the three that I'm pressing in this race, as far as the pick is concerned, or the, the five King of dreams, the four lucky law and the eight horse step dancer who won that Awad. And yes, it was over yielding turf and the only. I mean, it's two for three lifetime. The only time he didn't win was over firm going. So I suppose that could be, you know, you want to throw a little bit of a concern out there for that, but he did lose the fire at will who won the breeders cup juvenile turf. Um, I, I just, I find this to be a fascinating horse simply because he ran almost as fast as any of these horses have run thus far. And he did that as a two-year-old in October. So usually I look at that as a positive sign. And I guess I would spin this to you guys. I don't know if you view this as a positive or a negative, he hasn't missed any time as far as his workouts go, but he's been working out for two months. And I, I, I recognize maybe you want to just work him into fitness and, and maybe he's going to be ready to go. But I don't know. I, I, I get to a certain point and I look at it and say, were there no races at all that you could have brought him back in between the, when you got him back onto the track and, and now? Or, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm usually torn with that sort of thing. When I see a, a string of, let's call it 10 yeah, ten works since the middle of January. That to me, we're getting almost to a point of diminishing return, aren't we? I
0: would I would say that they're probably pointing towards a summer campaign in New York, and they didn't want to start too early.
1: Yeah, he's a New York bred, so I do think they're targeting New York races. There's probably some some good purses for New York breds on the turf, and that might even be, you know, for this race. You know, this might be more of a prep. Um, than anything but the horse definitely comes back running it can win no doubt
2: i guess i, I'm just I curious have use. Even, I, i'm just curious why, even if this is nothing more than sort of a means to an end to your point guys where you know let's get him back up to belmont or you know saratoga over the summer you know i i just find it very odd that you would bring the horse you would put him back in training and not just you know sort of casual training he, he's he's been working out very consistently, basically every week for two months. And that I just, I usually find that a little bit odd. It, it's, you know, unless you have some other grand plan. But I mean, even if New York was the goal, who's to say you don't bring him into this race on the back of three or four works? Okay, you get a good blow in this race and you're good to go for, you know, let's say the opening weekend or somewhere around there at Belmont Park. I just, I do find it a little bit interesting, but I do think he's at least worth consideration at uh, sort of a middling price in this race.
0: Well, you know, um, I, I think Matt, um, I didn't really, I didn't really note that, but, um, I was planning on using him and, and now I like him even more. I, I think he's probably relatively fit after, uh, those, that steady, uh, series of works, 10 works since January 15th.
2: Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a fascinating thing. And I don't know how you guys feel about sort of year old form translating to three-year-old form but i'm always very interested in horses who have effectively run as fast as many of their contemporaries who already have run once or twice as a three-year-old and they did that as a two-year-old so um if he sort of just takes any of that natural progression forward that natural maturation i think even with his first start in, in a few months i would think he's at least in with a chance
1: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that thinking. It's just the only thing about him is that figure was earned on a yielding course. And I just don't trust, especially in the fall, you know, figures on yielding courses with two-year-olds. I mean, they're just so hard to make. Um, It's not like if it was an 83 on a firm turf at Keeneland or something, I would be a lot more um, inclined to project off of that going forward. That's the only caveat with him.
2: No, totally fair.
0: Well, I'll mention just based on on just on numbers because these horses haven't run that much. Um, a hyper Focus is one for one on turf, so I would use him, even though he's not going to be any value. Uh, fighting Force is right there based on his numbers, and uh, what makes Sammy run? I don't love the line, but the numbers are pretty solid. So, uh, so I'm going to use. Um, I'm going to use all those horses as well, (laughs) (laughs) but don't worry. I'm getting skinnier later.
1: It's a spread. It's definitely a spread race. Yeah.
2: I suppose we should at least acknowledge Annex, um, who's, who I would assume is probably going to be the post-time favorite. Um, the thing that I'm fascinated by with this horse, I don't know that you're going to get necessarily fair value on him because I still think he's a work in progress, but in a, in a funny way. You know, I I typically look at that as you can look at it one of two ways and say, would that, could that potentially cost the horse being green and running erratically? Or does that mean that the horse has run fast already, despite the fact that he really doesn't know what he's doing? And if you continue on the path of putting it together mentally, he's only going to improve. I guess you could look at that and say, then, you know, if he does get a little bit sharper as far as his focus is concerned. He could be very, very impressive. He's already the fastest horse in the race. I just don't know that you're gonna get what I would deem fair odds in a race that, you know, for the reasons we've we've basically touched on everyone where it's a it's a pretty wide open race. I don't know that I would want to settle for any price too short, even though this horse I, I think he does have a world of potential.
1: Yeah, I agree. The only thing that from you know my feeling though on that is that those kinds of horses typically don't the ones that seem like they're not quite mentally there yet. Don't usually flip the switch on right away. Um, It takes them a while to mature. So, you know, I don't expect them to all of a sudden figure it out. in the next race, maybe sometimes they do, but typically those kind of goofy horses are goofy their whole lives. And they, they might kind of get mature, but it maybe takes six months or a year before that really comes to pass. Um, Although that horse could, that horse could win for sure. I mean, that last race was really good. It did seem like it kind of had a good setup. And a lot of times when you have those fast paces and a horse closes into it and wins, that's when they're going to earn a big number um, on the turf. So that it may not be as fast relative to the field as it looks based on that figure either. So I certainly could win, certainly could you know, get a little smarter and run straighter. But to me, if he's kind of a goofy horse, mentally, he's probably not going to all of a sudden turn into a genius in one race. That's all.
0: Well, uh, one, one thing that should be noted, which you guys don't get this, but I, I have the racing flow numbers. He will be a downgrade off that win because he closed off a sensational pace and it was rated a 100 CFR rating. And the CFR stands for closer favorability rating. And 100 is as high as it gets. So you know he rode that, and um, it's reason enough, considering that not only was it sort of bias enhanced, at least according to them, but he'll also take a lot of money. So so that's why I don't mind going deep and not including him.
2: If you haven't seen the replay of that Palm Beach, it's actually quite funny because it's it's a horse who's ten clear of second second, 10, clear a third, and then you've got the, the rest of the pack and the cameraman almost can't get enough horses in in the entire scope. It reminded me of uh shining topper down at uh, Keeneland a few years ago in the Breeders' Cup when he opened up by what seemed like 50 lengths and he came to a crawl at the end.
1: Yeah, those kinds of races really distort everything. So I, I would, you know, take the speed figure with a grain of salt. And like Scott said, the setup was pretty good for this horse. Um, in terms of the flow. So, all those things probably mean the horse is an underlay for sure. All right, we'll move
0: to the 12th race. It is the Gulfstream Park Oaks, a mile and 16th on dirt, 200,000 for three year old fillies. Matt, where did you land here?
2: Well, I, you know, first things first, i for whatever reason, the Gulfstream. Philly path to the Oaks. I just, I haven't been impressed with it recently. And I understand Swiss skydiver kind of sort of kicked off her, her amazing three-year-old campaign with this race last year. But just in general, I feel like the girls down in South Florida have been a little bit subpar and underwhelming over the last few years. Uh, having said that this field, you've only got seven. There's a lone a in here for me. If she loses, I'll probably lose the vast majority of stuff that I'm involved in. Um, i like the six milfoy quite a bit you know she her two-year-old form stacks up well by itself against the the bulk of this field but the devona dale is an entire line out completely draw a line through it it should not be taken into consideration really at all because she was beginning to improve rounding the far turn she's between horses the pace setter ended up coming to a complete or the second place horse i should say because the pace setter ended up wiring the field but the, the horse who was up there pushing the pace came to a complete stop right in her face. Uh, she backed up, shuffled to the rear of the field. And at that point, John Velasquez just wrapped up on her. I expect her to run the way that I think she has been meant to run all along. And I've, I've fallen into this trap before where horses I was really impressed with as two-year-olds, you know, ah, for whatever reason, there's a little bit of a dud. Then you kind of get away from them. You, you get turned off. And then all of a sudden... Two or three starts later, they fully deliver, and you're like, Oh, well, I was right. I just, for whatever reason, didn't you know ride out the storm. Um, I think Milfoy, if she runs the race, I think she's capable of running. Uh, I think she's borderline a standout in here. She's the lone a for me.
0: Whoa, wow, that's a bold pick. Uh, the only negative is that her best race was on the slop, so that's something to take into consideration. Chris, what did you think here?
1: Well, I kind of like another horse. I, I don't like this race at all from a betting standpoint, but for pretty much the same reasons that Matt talked about, liking Milfoy, I like the three horse crazy, beautiful. Um, she was running against the really good two-year-olds holding her own, despite some really tough trips in a few of those races. Uh, she kind of acted up the gate in her three-year-old debut and, you know, um, kind of got hung wide and probably was a short horse but you know i've talked about this almost every week at this time of the year these three-year-olds they get that one race under their belt second off a layoff i'm more with the colts and the phillies but even the phillies you know she's going to run the race of her life in in here i think and um to me she kind of stands out in a in a weak race um for all the same reasons that Um, Matt said for Milfoy but you know she's never really run a bad race crazy beautiful and and you know her good races were on fast dirt against good horses so to me I I would take her over Milfoy I think there's more question marks with Milfoy unfortunately she's the favorite but she is coming off I know a a loss by six links so maybe maybe that, that she won't get hammered too too much I don't think she's a win bet by any stretch but I think she's the most likely winner by a significant amount above the others.
0: Another bold pick. And I'm going to (laughs) go another direction from both of you guys. I'm going to land on Cone Lima, who has improved every single race, has a win on the dirt, and is going to lead this field start to finish from the one hole. Um, Every race is good. Her last race, she actually hit the gate and it says bumped gate. I mean, she, she pushed into it pretty good. And the fact that she actually closed to get second, and I guess she was DQ'd and actually won the race. But um, I, she looks kind of like a standout given the pace scenario where there's not that much pace in this race. I think it's hers to lose. So that's where I'm going to land.
2: I think it would be just an absolute travesty if she's not on the lead. Uh, I mean, you, you have, you have one way to go. And it, it's not that I think she's an absolute burner or speedball, but if if she, for whatever reason, isn't on the lead uh, and, and it's by design, then I, I, I don't, I, I apologize to anyone, Scott you and, and anybody else who would be backing her because the, the way that you draw this up, she goes right to the front from the inside and she takes a suspect field gate to wire. I think it makes perfect sense and if she doesn't end up going you know that, that those are the instances where you start pulling your hair out going what are we
1: doing
0: here yeah well hopefully she won't you know bump into the gate again like she did the last race
1: so are you are you insinuating matt that irad might try to rate cone lima is that your fear here well i i just
2: i feel like sometimes and, and we'll get into it uh, with a race coming up too that when it it seems almost too obvious I feel like all of a sudden there actually starts some people start to overthink things and typically that doesn't end up going well. I I think your, your advantage, your, your asset is your speed. And, and again, she's not a runoff. She's not some kind of, you know, she won't, or she shouldn't get lit up. If she gets out there on the front end, she hasn't really shown that throughout her career. She's, I think equally as good on dirt as she is turf. She's never been out of the exact in eight starts. Um, I, I just, especially when you do look at it and you say, who, who else is going to go? I mean, I, Roman's Philly drawn just to the outside. I get it. She broke her maiden in gate to wire fashion most recently, but based on time form us, that was with a glacial pace signed on. So, uh, you know, I, I just think this is one of those things where set it and forget it. Don't overthink it, go right to the front. And if she's not good enough, she's not good enough, but at least find out with her using her, her greatest asset her speed.
0: Which she should do. And the only reason she didn't in the last race is because she hit the gate. So so maybe he'll try doing that again.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's definitely a threat, I think, in here for sure. I I think that Scott's pick makes a lot of sense. Um, You know, I think she probably is um, better on turf than dirt, but she's performed well on dirt. Um, And I think another reason why you want to go to the lead is just avoid any kickback, right? If you're in front, you don't have to take any dirt. So it just, I agree that you expect us here on the lead, and it would be a little disappointing for those who play her if she's not. Um, there is one other horse that I will mention that I think is kind of interesting that'll probably get overlooked, and that's the the seven horse competitive speed who comes out of that crazy beautiful race and was another one that kind of got um, hung out wide and got tired late. And that horse was stretching out to a route for the first time, so I think it probably benefited from um, going the distance. Now it gets us a second try. This time around, two turns. It might get hung wide again, but if it could work a trip, you know, it's not impossible in here. And but um, for me, I think the three we're on are probably all the only three you need to use in here. I'm. Clearly more on Crazy Beautiful, Matt's on Milfoy, and Scott's on Conleem. I think the winner is going to be one of those three. We have different opinions on who that will be, but I think those are the main contenders. Uh, just uh,
0: <clears throat> a couple of notes. Um, Crazy Beautiful, who I picked in the last race, and unfortunately that, that whole lot of Bodie – <laughs> one race at 50 to one.
1: <laughs> that cost me a pretty good pick five that day too. That was too bad because if, uh, if I had Crazy Beautiful and for a pretty good pick five, uh, that one hurt.
0: Only only two, two uh, slight negatives on her. One is she hasn't won at two turns yet. So for a horse that could be favored, uh, that's a slight negative. And the other one is that her best race, which was the mile at – Churchill Downs, I guess, I think it was her third race. She did actually take advantage of a closer bias, a CFR of 94. Now uh, I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little reliant on these guys um, in, 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 in this sequence, but, you know, considering that she might be favored, that's just a a negative to keep in, in mind that even though she had like that closer bias she uh, still d- couldn't get up for, for first, and uh, she was favored in that race.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that was her best race. I think her best race was her next one going two turns where she beat Travel Column and, and ran second to Simply Ravishing. So in that one, she you know, uh, she was in against a much tougher field. Than, and if, if Travel Column was in here, she'd be two to five.
0: Uh, yeah, fair enough. Um, I, I do want to also, though, Chris, I want to echo what you said about competitive speed, who I will have some tickets with her. Um, she ran her best race three races ago. And in that race, which got a nice trip note for me, she spanked a stakes field by three lengths. She extended on the gallop out. She's circling back to that race. And her last race, she made a big four wide move. And I, I really thought she might actually win the thing. And then she flattened out and crazy, beautiful pastor, but it looked like, you know, it It, it made me think like she, maybe she can handle this mile on the 16th and, um, she does have a pretty good figure to come back to. So, uh, I also think she'll be completely ignored. I think she was 50 to one in that last race. So she'll probably be completely ignored here, at least 10 to one.
2: And I feel like she does have one of those, I, I would call them hidden, Sort of move ups to your point, Scott, where she made that big move. You know, I think a lot of people, if you're just doing it, you know, you can see it if you watch the tape, obviously, but if you're someone who's just looking at speed figures and you're not kind of looking at other pieces to it, you're not acknowledging that middle move in the middle portion of the race where she moved up three lengths. And okay, she kind of, given it was her first time going out to a route of ground, given that big middle move, you know, she had every right to flatten out down the lane. And the fact that She still hung on to get a piece of the thing. I think that speaks volumes that, you know, maybe she's not a superstar, but she probably doesn't have to be unless one of the big three that we've already touched on, you know, kind of improves the way that I think we all believe they, they possibly could, but competitive speed, I think as far as the prices go, she is as good a chance as anyone.
1: Yeah, I agree. The only negative on her is, you know, she's kind of bred to be a sprinter and she just might be a sprinter. So that, but I, I don't think that I think a jury's still out. Um, but just based on breeding and so far how she's ran, you know, she just might be a sprinter trying to go a little farther than she's um, likely to be best at. But we'll see. Yeah. And, you, and you certainly should get paid handsomely if she can handle it.
0: Yeah, I was I was grappling with the, the breeding as well. Uh, her mo- mom did win routing. But there's not much uh, there's not much routing breeding anywhere else except for just in that uh, in, in 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 that race record. We shall see. Let's go to the thirteenth race. It's the Orchid Stakes, Grade Three, mile and three eighths on turf, purse of hundred thousand for fillies and mares, four year olds and up. And Chris, anything interesting here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I am interested in this race. is I think one of the better races from a win bet standpoint for me on this sequence. Always shopping will be a deserving favorite. She's gotten really good, um, and she shows she can go these longer distances. And um, you know, she's good at tracking the pace. She's got tactical speed. Doesn't need the lead. I mean, it's a lot of good things. Um, on a negative side, she draws an outside post, and she you know she's carrying a lot of weight compared to some of the other horses so um you know that some people don't think that matters and weight matters but i mean this race starts right on the turn so she could be caught a little wide at least on the first turn and and maybe she stays parked out there although irad's really good at getting him over to the rail so i might be underrating him he's he's as good as there there is on the turf so, I don't think she's unbeatable at the weights with this post. And, you know, in these long races, once they get to a mile and a quarter or longer, I really like to look at horses that are bred um, to get that distance and have shown that they, you know, probably prefer that distance. And for me, kind of a standout in that regard is the one horse warlike goddess who is a lightly raced four-year-old filly by English Channel out of a North Light mare. She's just bred to run all day. She actually, I mean, when a horse starts its first race at nine furlongs, that tells you right away, they think this is a kind of a marathon type. And she won at first asking, which is pretty impressive uh, for you know two turns going a route on the turf. And then they immediately stretched her out to a mile and three-eighths where she just crushed a field. Of winners in her second start so you know clearly this horse is meant to run at these distances she has talent and they brought her back off a layoff at a little shorter distance and she was completely against the flow had no chance the way that was a merry-go-round race it was like the definition of a merry-go-round race and that horse she still ran pretty well she it was probably a prep anyway or at least you know they were thinking, um, you know she's not 100% cranked, and now she has that race. She gets to stretch back out to the longer distance. She draws the rail. Um, I just love this horse. The only thing I don't love is the rider. Um, Julian just has a habit of getting hopelessly lost and not getting the horse into the race until it's too late. And and there is a possibility he could do that here, although he has one on this horse. And he wrote her last time, but he wrote her exactly the way I don't want him to ride her this time. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but I think she has a lot of potential uh, at these longer distances. And if you can get the 10 to 1, which probably you can't, but maybe with Always Shopping in there, um, I'm all about the one warlike goddess.
0: Warlike goddess. Second off a layoff, fresh four-year-old. Matt, what did you think here?
1: Yeah, you
2: know, I agree with Chris, With warlike goddess. I, I made her my second pick in here for all the reasons he laid out. Not only was that that very one a merry-go-round, but there was no pace whatsoever. She was the only one that really hit any true closing in that spot, and I would expect her to move forward. Uh, you know, it, it's not interesting, but I, I just – I'm not a huge fan of always shopping, but I think there is a point – and I'm very guilty of this, and I know some others are as well – you know, you just kind of get these sort of, I don't want to say preconceived notions in your head about what horses actually are versus what you think they are. Um, because I've never loved her, I've always just sort of tried to downgrade her. I went back and watched that La Prevoyant, and yes, she had a beautiful trip in there. It was a picture-perfect situation, but once she turned for home and hit the top of the lane, she kicked like a mule. And you you take a look at the rest of the field, they've all kind of It basically confirmed the figs. I think the 94 is legit from a buyer standpoint. I'd be very surprised if she took a step backward at this point. And, you know, again, she's not going to be any kind of price, but from a pick standpoint, um, I'm going to put her on top, and I'll have most of my play weighted on her. I, I just think she might be too good for this field.
0: Okay, so so always shopping i'm i'm going to land on the horse that she beat in her last race and that's delta's kingdom she, you know she was carrying 2 pounds less than always shopping in her last race i haven't seen the replay of the race but it does say that she steadied in the in that race it says she steadied at the mile marker she still finished second and now she gets uh, 6 pounds from always shopping and I just I just like the feel of her line. Her last two races have been very good. Um, that's who I'm landing on. Uh, I, I, Chris kind of convinced me on Warlike Goddess, so I'll probably add her. And um, always shopping, I'd probably use her, but I wouldn't use her like with any of the other favorites because I think she will be completely hammered in this race.
2: The only other one that I would throw out there if you're looking for, it's not even really an outside-the-box type, but Morning Molly, I think there's a real chance she's the only speed in this race. And that Hillsborough, I I really didn't think it was a bad effort. I think Micheline, you know, she's a grade one winner. Um, The the field itself outside of her may not have been spectacular, but I thought all things considered that Hillsborough wasn't a bad effort. And, And if Jose can get out to the front and just sort of back things down, you know, maybe there's a chance that she can wire the field at, at something close to that eight to one morning line. I don't think she's a likely winner, but if you're looking to try to get a little bit creative, uh, she's really the only other one that that was mildly intriguing to me.
1: Yeah, I, just a couple of points I'll make. We, we had the discussion at the start of the day about um, time form U.S. figs and, and buyers and how sometimes they vary. Well, this is an interesting race in that time form does account for pace. And they'll actually bump horses up if they're um, closing fast into a slow pace, and which is like what Warlike Goddess did in her last race. I don't know what the race flow upgrade is on that, but I would guess it was like a zero for closer favorability in that race. And because of that, she actually earned a one sixteen time form U.S. fig. And if you compare that to Always Shopping's last race, um, and they they do adjust for weight as well. Um, she earned a 115 so weight adjusted they actually have warlike goddess performance better than uh or, or weight adjusted for the race today they say if they both ran their races you know warlike goddess would be always shopping from the a figure standpoint so that's just an interesting side note when you're probably going to get at least 10 times the price on the one so that just shows you how those numbers can be quite different um depending on the methodology i'm not saying one's right or wrong but that this is the sort of thing that time form tries to account for. Um, and um, it will be interesting to see what actually plays out when they run the race. Uh, yeah. the one of the horse, horse that we have not mentioned that I think you have to, the other one you have to include again, because I'm always looking for horses that really will relish the distance is that the first time U S runner for Christopher Clement, and that is the five sorrel who, you know, has been running at mile and a quarter, mile and a half races in Europe. And now she makes her U.S. debut. Uh, She certainly should run well in terms of the distance and and her numbers. She has to improve if you trust her time form figs. But, um, you know, typically these horses that they bring over, there's a reason why you think they might improve with U.S. racing. So that's the other one. It wasn't running against really good horses in Europe, but it was running those marathon distances that the U.S. horses typically aren't bred for or used to running. So, that's one you might want to include, but uh, the horse I really like in here is Warlike Goddess, the one.
0: I would agree on Sorrel, and the horses won three races in a row, two at a mile and a half and one at a mile and five-eighths, so… But definitely definitely has some upside. She doesn't get Lasix, which is how we usually think that uh, we usually think that they're improving. But but I know a guy who's one hundred percent convinced that, that European turfing turf horses are just better than the Americans, and that's why like that that all their figures are understated, and that's why when they come over, they often win at a price.
1: Well, well, at over a mile and a quarter, I absolutely agree with him. And and the other thing to note on this horse who, you know, has run third, second, or first in all his last five starts, the weights it was carrying, 131, 131, 131, 124, and then 123 in the synth. You know, and it comes in, you know, it's carrying 120 in here, but it's been used to carrying a lot more weight over a lot longer distance than any of the horses in this race. So, you know, that that could come into play late in the race.
2: The only thing that concerned me really about Sorrell, you know, for all the reasons you guys laid out, she makes perfect sense, uh, especially against a group like this where, you know, it doesn't feel like you've got any kind of Breeders' Cup types that you got to be afraid of. Um, I just didn't love the, the gaps in some of the workouts, um, especially leading up to a mile and a half race or a mile and three-eighths, whatever this one is. Um, it, You know, she's got a, about a three week gap from January 23rd to February 13th, another two week gap to the 27th of February, you know, another two and a half weeks to March 13th. I typically just like to see some sort of consistency leading into a race, especially one at a distance like this. So, um, you know, not trying to cold water anything. I think she definitely has a, a big chance in here. That was just for me, the part of the reason for, for trying to kind of fade her a little bit.
0: All right, we'll move to the marquee race. It's the fourteenth. It's the I'm I, I'm going to say it because I saw Pete Iello said he probably isn't going to say it. The Curlin Florida Derby presented by Hillendale Farms at Zalapa, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that is.
1: <laughs> I can't believe I. The only thing that's amazing is Run Happy's not in there somewhere. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to say the whole thing presented by Run Happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: it, it is
0: a great one, a mile and an eighth on dirt, purse of 750000 for three-year-olds. And Matt, why don't you get us started?
2: I'm, I'm going to be very curious to hear what you guys have to say. I, I, greatest honor, he, he deserves to be the favorite. Um, I don't think there's really much arguing with that based on his body of work and what he's accomplished thus far. Um, I like that he has paired up career buyer tops of 89. I typically think that that's, precedes a forward move Uh, but to me I can't get past the fact that this is a horse who is probably going to be around even money who has two horses in this race that just strictly on buyer speed figures have run faster than he has to date and he's a closer in a race that it seems like there's not going to be a great deal of pace signed on I just uh, he may be that good but I don't know I don't, I couldn't sit here in good faith and say, you know what? I think he's an awesome slam dunk type in a race like this, because if this was any other race and I laid out all of those factors for a horse like this, you would say he's a perfect bet. Again, um, he could win. I, I respect him. Obviously respect the connections. I'm going to take a shot against him. and maybe this is going to be the sucker horse in the race, but uh, I, I think collaborate has a world of potential and in a race that it doesn't seem like there's a ton of speed, I think he learned quite a bit in that career debut over that sloppy-sealed track. He got away slowly, kind of weaved between horses, and, and I don't want to say ran in spots, but to a degree. For a first-time starter, that didn't bother me. They stretched him out to a one-turn mile. He went right to the front, and he looks – I tweeted it a couple days ago – he looks like a moose out there. His ears are up, playing around, and he just put the boots to what, you know. For being honest, was a bad field but he did it the right way. I think he has a, a ton of potential and, and maybe Saturday is going to be it too much too soon, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with collaborate for the upset in here to win this race.
0: That's interesting. The, the moose uh, because Tommy hammer tweeted the flying moose. After that race, so you're not the uh, the only one to uh, observe him looking like a moose. I,
2: I, I tell you what, go back if you watch that replay, and I don't again. It, it, maybe it's relative. Maybe the two horses down the backside that were in closest attendance happened to be on the small side. It it just looks like he reminded me a little bit of, of watching Dortmund all those years ago, where he looked like a Mack truck out there with a bunch of Priuses, and that's kind of what the impression I got with this horse and. um Win, lose, or draw. I'm picking him to win. I'm going to hopefully bet him depending on the price. Um, but I, I'm very, very anxious to see what we get from him tomorrow.
0: Okay, the moose is loose. Chris, what <laughs> did you think?
1: Um, well, I, I want to echo some of what Matt said about greatest honor. I mean, this horse hasn't cracked a 90 buyer, and a lot of people think he's a lock to win the derby, which just blows my mind. You know, he, he hasn't broke ninety. Buyer, and he's had six tries, and uh, collaborating his first try on on fast dirt ran a ninety. So, I I totally get where Matt's coming from. That you know, the the disparity in price doesn't make much sense. I and I guess you talk about class, but I mean, the the Florida bunch of horses haven't been any good at all. He hasn't beaten anything either. So you can't even say class is up um and he does come from off the pace uh there's just so many negatives on greatest honor to win this race or the derby uh i don't get the the big buzz around him i kind of see uh Clabray has been training like a monster he's by into mischief he's just been on fire um and this is kind of a test for him but like i i said there there hasn't really been any good horses running in florida uh so it's not like it's that big of a move up and um you know these horses tend to and these are kind of sucker horses coming out of maiden races but he does seem like he's got a lot of talent so i wouldn't argue at all with i definitely would play collaborate over greatest honor um i'm kind of stuck to a narrative that i've had all year and that is that you know the 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 seahorses on the west coast are as good as anything else out there and to me, you know, Spielberg's a BC type West Coast horse, um, but I think that's good enough to beat this field, and he has been training much better. His best workout ever was his last, and he did seem to run pretty well, although it might have been slop aided uh, against essential quality. But Bob Baffert really starts tightening the screws at this point. You know, he'll have this horse completely cranked. And um, I just think he's been facing much better horses than anything in this race, including the heavy favorite, you know, Sensual Quality, Medina Spirit, Hot Rod Charlie. You know, even, uh, you know, I thought he was overrated as a two-year-old, but, you know, now as a three-year-old, and I've, I've seen, you know, all the other horses out there run. I think, you know, he's probably the best. I don't think he's value in here because he's Baffert and he'll get bet. But I think he's the most likely winner. The other thing I'll mention about Greatest Honor, I think it's a big negative for him, is there's not much speed in here. Um, I would expect Collaborate and Spielberg both to kind of go towards the lead. Um, I don't think they'll, you know, be quarter-horsed out, but they'll they'll be aggressive. And, you know, they're going to be cutting right in front of Greatest Honor. So he's going to have several horses just cutting right across his path, um, right out of the gate in a race with a short run of the first turn. So I think that's another negative even for Greatest Honor. So anyway, you can tell I'm, I'm really eager to bet against Greatest Honor in here. Um, and I agree, Collaborate and Spielberg are probably the, the two most likely ones to do it. And I kind of favor Spielberg just based on the West Coast theory. And the fact he's actually faced some good horses, which Collaborate in Greatest Honor haven't done so.
0: I personally think Greatest Honor is going to react today. He's not going to run that great um, Saturday. And, but I think he has a, a, a real shot for the Kentucky Derby. I'm actually going with a long shot in this race. And that is Papa Two, who ran well at 18 to 1 in the Fountain of Youth. He broke from the outside, just like he's doing today. He scooted right to the rail for the first turn. He rallied with a big move on the far turn, and then he flattened out. Um, it was a lifetime best effort. May have prepped him for his best effort ever in this particular race. His sire happens to be the same as the sire of Gunavera, who this trainer trained as a favorite in this race a few years ago. Uh, and even though he didn't run well in that in in that particular race, he did deliver in a in a in a big way in a few big races later in the year. So, uh, so Papa two is the one for me, but I will also use collaborate because, uh, he had an excuse in his debut and, and like, like Matt said, he, he, he looks like a, a, a tough competitor, a moose. He, he even extended on the gallop out in his last race. He could be something special. So I would use, um, I don't know. He may end up being the wise guy horse and go off at three to one, but, uh, but, you know, in the pick five, he'll still be a good price. I
2: think think. for me, you know, you've got two other horses in here who uh, I think at least warrant some consideration. If you're trying to beat greatest honor, you know, one of them is known agenda who's already defeated greatest honor. And I, I really did think the blinkers woke him up in a pretty good way. in that most recent start, I think that buyer might be a hair on the light side. I think you're probably looking something closer to a, to an 87 or an 88, which would put him really right in the thick of things. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, he he can win. He just doesn't really overwhelm me in a spot like this. The horse that purely from a talent standpoint, I think is probably every bit as good as any of these, but mentally, you know, we talked about it earlier with that mock horse in the turf race. And Chris, you, you have touched on it. it. It's very unlikely that all of a sudden the switch is flipped and, and a horse puts it together mentally. Soup and Sandwich, uh, from a talent standpoint, I think is every bit as good as any of these. You go back and watch that Tampa Bay Downs race. I know it was only a three-horse field. I mean, it looked like he was going to go over the rail at some point down the lane. He he swapped leads about four different times. He was looking out at the grandstand. I think he's got a a lot of ability. I just, I think tomorrow is going to be a a very, very tall ask for a horse like this. I could see him really improving over the summer with some more experience, Um, but I, I look at soup and sandwich and collaborate in very similar veins but also very different veins in that the talent seems to be off the charts but collaborate seems much more professional than soup and sandwich does and i don't fear that if, if collaborate gets beat tomorrow i don't necessarily think it'll be because he did something silly whereas soup and sandwich i could absolutely see him blowing a turn or looking at looking around and, and that is what ends up costing him a race so maybe something to factor in, but at the same time, I'm also not going to talk you off of a 20 to one shot. If you do like him.
1: Yeah, I'm totally with everything you said of the, besides the, you know, the three greatest honor collaborating Spielberg to me, soup and sandwich is the, is the X factor. Uh, He has a lot of talent. He's really bred well. And um, like you said, he was very goofy in his last race but um you know you're gonna get a much bigger price on him than collaborate you know collaborate will probably end up going off his second choice and you know soup and sandwich could be 20 to one so i to me that's the one you throw in at a price for sure and uh, and he could do something goofy it wouldn't shock me at all um but he is really talented and this this i don't think this field is that strong so you know, I, I'm with you on that one known agenda. The thing I don't like about known agenda, maybe I've been, I, I might be putting more emphasis on this than I should. Um, but you know, his last race was his best by far. And that was his first time with Lasix. It was also first time blinkers, but he ran so unexpectedly poorly in his start before that. And then they give him Lasix and he gallops. That makes me a little bit nervous. Now he's off Lasix again. So that's the kind of horse that, I just can't trust from a Lasix standpoint. When he runs a clunker, then they give him Lasix and he runs off the screen, and now he's off Lasix again. I, I just can't play a horse like that. It's unfortunate that horse players are put in that position, but you know I just can't trust him.
0: One other thing that should be noted about known agenda, uh, watch the gallop out after his last race. There basically isn't one. I mean, he pretty much stopped. Now he was wrapped up by Irad. Uh, to finish the race so maybe it was by design but basically he stopped before he even got to the turn and uh that's 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 a no-no for a horse that i think is five to one morning line
2: yeah it's just it is it's one of those things and chris i'm, I'm glad you brought it up because really i suppose if you want to here we are we've been doing nothing but knock greatest honor one of the one of the positives is we know that the, the no Lasix is not an issue for him because he's never run on it. So um, it, it is an unknown for basically the, the rest of the field coming off Lasix that hasn't been running in, in any kind of a derby prep because for, for Collaborate, it'll be first time racing in the afternoon without it. Uh, soup and Sandwich, to your point, known agenda was on, now he's back off. And, you know, uh, it, it's it, for greatest honor in Spielberg, that is one thing that you can't, I shouldn't say you can't. It's one of the pieces that at least you know they have run well without it, where that's still an unknown for these others that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, and I'd say it's it's a little bit bigger on uh, negative for known agenda just because there was this dramatic form reversal when he had it. Now he's off it. So you know, that's the part that makes me most nervous with him. Where the others haven't had it, at least they didn't come off a clunker get On Lasix, run big, and now off Lasix. That just to me is the biggest, you know, negative in this whole Lasix on/off saga that we have right now with the way the rules are set up. A horse like Known Agenda, it's just really unfair to horse players to try to guess at you know what's going to happen. That's just a factor we shouldn't have to to mess around with.
0: All right, shall we take a look at the ninth race, which opens the pick six sure i guess uh i I don't have the stats on the race but i think it's a it's an allowance on turf going a mile chris did you uh have any thoughts on this one
1: yeah it's a salty allowance i mean it could easily be a stakes race i think um uh is probably going to go to the front i liked him last time stretching out thought he'd get an easy lead and he could hang on he did uh, the difference this time is there's a two, the two-horse Fortunes Fool is in there and probably uh, will keep him from opening up a big lead. I don't think it maybe necessarily will keep him from getting the lead, but I think he'll have to work for it. Uh, so I do think it can set up for someone to come off the pace, and I really like the eight-horse. I like one other horse as well, but the eight-horse first Premio – he was recently gilded. He had a, a prep. He ran pretty well on his prep. Now he goes second off a layoff. Um, and he uh, should get a good pace set up. He has some real you know, fast back numbers in class. Um, I think he can really dominate in here with a good trip. And um, eight to one on the morning line is a pretty juicy price. I don't know if that'll hold up, but i um, to me, the eight-horse first premio looks pretty solid. There's another horse I like quite a bit, too, but I'll just uh, stop there and see if if Matt or Scott have an opinion in here.
2: Yeah, I mean, there, there's a horse in here who, you know, he probably didn't live up to expectations given the, the sort of profile he was projecting early on in his career when Todd Fletcher had him, and Fletcher had him really up until right through his last start, but Noble Indy, I think, is kind of sneaking in a spot like this. On paper, he might look a little bit on the slow side. Uh, and, yes, he's moving way up in class from from a $35,000 claimer up to this allowance race. But um, it, it's it's one of those spots where he is versatile enough that he doesn't have to have the lead. And, Chris, I agree with you the way that you laid it out. You know, Saif is a one-way speed horse. He has to go. The problem is now he's got a stretch-out sprinter who's going to be keeping him company. I think there's a real – scenario where noble lindy tucks in just behind those horses and gets first run and sappy joseph say what you will the barn does really well with getting horses off the claim who won last out and keeping them good and i i think there's no coincidence that they grab this horse they're willing to jump him up in class and it's going to be his third start of this little cycle with the blinkers on he started his career with them I just think he's real sneaky in here at, at what should be pretty darn close to that ten to one morning line. I, I think he's won, especially if you are playing the rainbow. I think at the very least use him defensively because it would, wouldn't surprise me if he if he won this thing and he paid twenty two dollars.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one more at you. Um, that is the six Sand Dancer, who was always a pretty good horse never really broke through and um, I think he he ran second at 17 to one last year but he never actually broke through and he's been claimed by Brendan Walsh who's been doing pretty good work at uh, Gulfstream and I just think that maybe the trainer change is going to wake him up so so I would use him as a long shot play and then I also agree with Chris on first premium I'd use those two.
1: Yeah, that Noble Indy is interesting, you know, f- off the claim for Safi, you know, I think, he, and, and like you said, he could, he's got that tough post, but maybe they stretch out with the speed up front, and he does, you know, he gets an aggressive rider with Paco, You know, maybe he can get out and over and kind of tuck in in that perfect spot, so that's kind of interesting long shot. I do think the race came up a little saltier than Safi Joseph probably thought it would when he claimed and said, oh, I'm going to run him in this race. Because, you know, there's some pretty good horses in here. Um, Normally, uh, normal horses in this condition, I would think, you know, he probably would come back and win this race. I'm not sure he's quite good enough, though, um, in this field. The other horse I like quite a bit after first premio is the the 10-horse Hay Dakota, who just fits really well in here. You know he's run some races that could win this he'll be closing late um uh, you know a lot like first premium i just think first premium is a little bit better but you know hey dakota is pretty consistent he's run well at gulfstream he's run a whole bunch of races that are are kind of good enough to win this and he seems to be rounding back into form you know they ran him in a stakes race last time this is going back to our lasix discussion where he was actually off Lasix in that race, and now he's back on. Um, and so I think that will help. The wait, wait.
0: Running, oh, oh, right. It's not a stakes race, <laughs> so right. he can be back on.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's back on now because this isn't a stakes race. Even though it's probably stakes caliber, it's not from a Lasix standpoint. They can run with it. So I think that will help him. So, you know, Hey Dakota, I think, could be real tough. And, again, he's 8-1 to on the morning line, so – I I I like this from a betting standpoint. Both those two, the eight and the ten, I think are value if you can get near that morning line price.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll probably try to use Hey Dakota as well. Uh, He does have a tough post, so that's a factor. But um, but but I certainly like him on the numbers side. Will you guys be playing the pick six? Are you actually going to bet this sequence tomorrow?
2: I'm torn just because I I, I think the pick five sequence, especially if you have some of those, you know, I don't want to say strong opinions, but you you have strong convictions. And, you know, typically I would would rather kind of straight to the idea of you need fewer things to happen in a pick five than you do a pick six. But at the same time with the pool, what it is in the pick six. I mean, in all likelihood, I'll probably punch the pick six ticket. And if something bad happens in the first leg, I'll wheel right back with the pick five. But um, I'm definitely at least playing the pick five. And I'm sure I've talked myself after hearing you guys as well into putting in some kind of a token ticket for the pick six.
0: Chris, are you going to play
1: it? Yeah, I mean, I uh, it's it's a good player's edge bet when they have mandatory payout. Does anyone know what the carryover is right now? Um, I haven't really been it's, following it's,
0: it. It's, it's at least a million as of today.
1: Yeah, so, I, I, mean, I think Friday,
2: it's like, a, it's like a million and a quarter today.
1: So, you know, for a reduced, you get that reduced takeout, it's hard to pass up. You know, that the low denomination means that you can, you know, play, you, uh, you know, you can even wait tickets if you want to. And, and the fact that I like the first leg of the sequence, you know, I really do like first Premio and Hey Dakota quite a bit in this race. Um, you know, I certainly be playing it to some extent. I might also play the pick five. I might just be a little, you know, I'll play them differently. Um, but, you know, there, I, I kind of like this sequence. I mean, I think there's some pretty solid horses you can lean on and there's some, you know, heavily bet favorite, like greatest honor who, certainly could go down at you know three to five or four to five in here so um i like it i like the sequence i think it's definitely playable and it's all you know all even though this first leg isn't a stakes race i think it's stakes quality kind of field so really high quality racing throughout the whole thing there's no like impossible maiden claimer or a two-year-old maiden special weight where none of them ever raced or anything like that you have to worry about so i like it
0: okay well um I think we've covered the pick six pretty well. So we will wrap it up. I'd like to thank our guest, Matt Bernier. Matt, thanks for handicapping with us.
2: Guys, always a pleasure to chop things up with you. Hopefully, we can uh guide the listeners in, in the right direction for at least a couple of these races. And I'll be very interested to see. You know, again, it feels like we've done nothing but kind of not greatest honor. If, if he goes out there and struts his stuff tomorrow, you know, maybe I need to reconsider his chances as far as the Derby goes. But it's always fun this time of year with, uh, you know, derby preps and and things like that. I guess tomorrow, including all over the world, internationally derby preps. So always fun to check us.
0: All right. Well, thanks again. And that will conclude show number 113 of the Sport of Kings pod. Good luck in the Gulfstream Late Pick 5. And please enjoy the Brooklyn Boogaloo Blowout.
1: I'll see you on Sport of Kings. Cheers. Get you.